This chazar is echin neshbach chazar shagim from Yehuda mezachas baba kama daf kuf beis. The Gemara had said oily wood of shmita that can be used as a torch is still not given the status of shmita because in general wood stands to be burned for firewood. Rav Kahana said this point is actually machlekes among tanam in a brayser. The brayser says one may not use shmita produce for laundering. Rabbi Yosi says such use is permitted. The basis of Hadikama's opinion is based on the pasuk because the pasuk says la'achla for eating and not for any other use. Rabbi Yosi says the pasuk says lochem, which teaches it's, it, that any use is permitted even for laundering. The Tanakhama says lochem teaches that shmita produce may be used in a way so that its benefit comes at the time of consumption. For the same reason, the Tanakhama would also hold that. Firewood would not be subject to shmita because the benefit always comes after its consumption. Rabbi says La'achla teaches that one may not use shmita produce for medicine. Rabbi Yehoshua understands the pasuk is coming to allow laundering and to disallow medicine because laundering is something that all people need to do, whereas medicine is only something for sick people. We see this from Rabbi The Tanakhama says that the shmita restrictions do not apply to firewood, and Rabbi Yehoshua says that they would. Based on this brisa, we can determine that the brisa that says La'achla teaches. That says that the Ochla teaches that one may not use Shemitah produce for a medicine, for sprinkling, or to induce vomiting has to follow Rabbi Yaisi, because according to the Kama, the Brayasi should also have listed laundering as a prohibited use. Mishnah said, Rabbi Yehuda, Im HaShvach V'chulu. Rabbi Yaisi was sitting behind Rabbi Abba, who was sitting in front of Rabbi Huna, who said that the Halacha follows Rabbi Yehuda and Karcha, and it follows Rabbi Yehuda of our Mishnah. Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda, I'm sorry, Rabbi Yaisi turned away in disapproval to say that the statement that the Halacha follows Rabbi Yehuda and Karcha is needed so that we know that he, although he's disputed by a majority regarding the Halacha of collecting a loan from Goyim before their holiday, we follow his view anyway. Anyway, however, why do we need to say that we pass on Rabbi Yehuda? The, the view is subject to a machloikis in our mission, as later taught as, as, an, as an anonymous mission, and the rule is that when a matter of dispute is then taught in an anonymous mission, we follow that view. Rav Huna held it was necessary to make the statement because we would think that there's no order in the Mishnahis and we therefore don't know if the anonymous Mishnah was taught first or the Machalikas was taught first. Rabbi Yosef said that if we're concerned for that, then we never have an application of the rule that when a matter is a Machalikas then followed by a, a Stam Mishnah, we follow that view. Rav Huna would say within one Mishnah that there's surely an order and that uh, and that would be where the rule would apply. Rabbi Yosef would say that all in the Zikim, Babakam, Babasim, Babasra are all considered to be one Mishnah. If we want, we can say that Rabbi Yosef would agree now we have to be concerned that the Mishnahis are out of order. However, since in Baba Metziah, this halacha was taught amongst the list of number of halachas that we are to Paschal like, therefore there is no reason for Ahuna to make that statement. Fractimar Bryce says if someone gave money to a shliach to enter into a partnership with him and to buy wheat and he instead bought barley or vice versa, one Bryce says that any depreciation or appreciation of what he bought goes to the account of the shliach and he has to pay back the money that he took. Another Bryce says any depreciation goes to the account of the shliach, but any appreciation is considered to belong to the partnership. This contradicts the list Bryce, Rabbi Echanan said. First Bryce follows Rameyu who says that change affects the Kenyan. The second price of follows Rabbi Hudu who says that it does not. Rabbi Lazar asks, maybe Rabbi Meir only holds that way regarding items that are meant for personal use, but not for items that were meant for business per- mer- merchandise. Rabbi Lazar said, both prices follow Rabbi Meir. First price is discussing a case where the Shriach was sent to buy produce for eating. The second price is discussing where he was sent to buy produce for investment purposes. And Eric Tisrael, they asked, that uh, according to the uh, to the way Rabbi Yechonah understands Rabbi Yehuda, how can it be that the owner of the money can be kind of any part of what was bought if the shliach didn't follow instructions? The seller of the produce was not notified that there's an owner of the money to be makna to, to, be makna to him. The Mar says Rashulavan ben Bar Sasrati asked, if it's true that the owner of the money can't be kind of when the seller didn't know he existed, why is it different when the shliach does as he is told? Why in that case is he kind of? Ravo said that case is different because when he does what he is told to do, he is like the owner himself. We can prove this from a mission that teaches that if a man has wool dyed for his wife, it's no longer considered to be his property for purposes of hegdish. If he gave away hegdish, he did not give away that that what was dyed for his wife. Now, since the diary didn't know it was for the man's wife, she should not be kind of it yet and it should remain his. Rather, we have to say that since he acts. 
acts as her shliach, she is kaina. The same thing can be said in our Mishnah. Rabbi Abba says no proof. The reason the items designated for his wife are no longer his for purposes of a hegdish, they can't be taken to satisfy his hegdish obligation, is because when a person gives to hegdish, he does not intend to give away his wife's clothing. Or if there is, does a person intend to be makdish's tefillin in such a case? And yet we said if a person is makdish, all his possessions, his tefillin are included. Abaya said a person does intend to include his tefillin because he feels he's doing a mitzvah. He does not intend to include his wife's clothing because that would create animosity between him and his wife. Rabbi Shaya asked, the mission says that if one makes an Erechen vow, he himself becomes security for his obligation. Now, he clearly did not intend to give himself, and yet he's included. The same should be with his wife's clothing. Rabbi said, when a person is Magdish's possessions, he is treated as if he already gave his wife's clothing to his wife, and that's why it's not included still in his possessions. Frechtimar Bryce says, if a person buys a field in the name of another person, we do not force him to sell. But if he said to him that it's on condition, we force him to sell. What does this mean? Rav Sheshi explained, the Bryce means if a person bought a field under the pretense that he was buying it for Rish Galusa, we don't force the Rish Galusa to then write a document of sale to this true buyer. However, if the buyer told the seller, I'm buying it this, this for the Rish Galusa on the condition that the Rish Galusa then sell it to me, we do force the Rish Galusa to write a document of sale to the buyer. Now, this Bryce seems to argue with those in Eretz Israel who said that the seller would not be makna the property to the buyer if he doesn't know that the buyer is the true buyer and not the Reish Galusa because this Bryce seems to say that the buyer is kainated it's only that we can't force the Reish Galusa to write the document of sale for him Mar says the Bryce can be talking about where the seller was told who the true buyer is Fekmer of Shesha said if the buyer said on condition we can force the Reish Galusa to write the document what can he be forced to do so why can he say I don't need to be honored or dishonored with false involvement in the purchase of land Abaya said the Bryce means as follows if a person buys the field in the name of the Reish Galusa although he was truly buying it for himself we don't force the seller to to write up a second round of documents to show that the true buyer as 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 the buyer. However, if he said on condition, we do force the seller to do so. In fact, according to a buyer, it should be obvious that in the first case, we can't force the seller to write a second document. Mara said, we would think the buyer can tell the seller, you knew that I was buying it for myself and used the name of the Rage Galusa just to prevent people from arguing with me about the field. And since this was the plan, it's as if I made that condition with you to write a second deed for me. The buyer said, teaching that the seller can tell him, I thought you made a deal with the Rage Galusa to write the deed over to you. So I didn't think you were going to make me have to write a second deed. According to a buyer, it should be obvious that in the second case, we should force him to write the second deed. Mara says, the case is that the buyer told witnesses at the time of the sale, that he will need a second day deed to be written for him. We would think that the seller can say, I thought you meant that you needed one written by the Rage Galusa. The Bryce is teaching that the buyer can say, I specifically said this in front of witnesses during the sale in your presence because I want you to write the second deed for me.